question for me wasn't necessarily what is the most efficient way that we can haul trash because like an electric bike, I think is a lot more efficient than a truck in an urban setting. The question for me was more, what kind of life do I want to live? We have somebody with Valley Bike Share over here in Western Massachusetts, the Connecticut River Valley, Shannon Bliven. And Shannon, you are the, hold on, I got this, community outreach and business development person of Valley Bike. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. And I talked to you and you told me some interesting things about the program. One thing I'm just interested in in general is that it doesn't seem like the Connecticut River Valley has the same kind of density as cities that I associate with having bike share, you know, like New York or LA or, but I don't know who has bike share is bike share like everywhere. And is there a minimum density? Do you think that Valley bike group decided to go with a regional model? So each of the cities have the bikes concentrated in the downtown area. And So right now we start with five cities and towns and by the end of this month, we'll have seven cities and towns. Hmm. So yeah, it does need to be concentrated, but this model works pretty well as a docked model for the area we're in. I rode one. It was so much fun. Thank you. Oh, you did? uh, Great. Yeah. Got to ride one. And the trails are amazing. Well, the, yeah, yeah. the one that went over the Connecticut river um, Yeah. yeah, on that old bridge, like the railroad bridge. What is that trail called? The Connecticut River Trail Bridge, perhaps? It is. Each each part of it has a different name. I don't know if that's the Norwatak Trail or, or if know. that's the one going from Northampton to East Hampton. But, yeah. We said that we would talk about a couple things in particular. One that yep. caught my attention was the fact that you're able to adjust the speed based on if the bike is on a bike path using... What is it? It's like geofencing? GPS. Um, Yeah. So we do everything via GPS. We track the bikes through it. Uh, We set up our stations that way. We set up the whole outline, the perimeter of the Valley Bike um, system where people can go. And we can also change the speed in various places. So on the trail, for example, they said that we couldn't be on the trail unless we had the speed, the assist speed reduced. So it's at 12 miles an hour. After 12 miles an hour, you're no longer assisted. You're just pedaling on your own. Because obviously people ride their bikes faster than 12 miles an hour. But um, So we're able to map out an area and and change the speed of the bike down to that. We do it in places like the rail trail. Uh, UMass, college campus, they didn't want it, the bike's too fast. Uh, Downtown Northampton has a different speed. So yeah, we actually have three different speeds we can offer. I did not know that. Did you know that, Don, that they can tell where the bikes are in a bike share and if it's electric bike, they can slow it down, like on a path? I've heard of Mm geofencing technology for bikes right it's called geofencing or am i yeah yeah i've heard of this i mean they have to keep track of where the bike is right and they have to i guess throttle it in certain places all right the reason this is fascinating to me is because why don't they do that for cars 
<laughs> right? Yeah, why is That's it so... That's a good question. Why is it so horrible that a bike can go fast, but uh, they can't, they, they won't throttle cars in residential neighborhoods and so forth? That'll probably be coming when, when cars become electric, though. Is it going to be all... I, I think it's also privately owned versus... Uh, personally owned <laughs> you know mm -hmm. the cities own each portion of the bike share that they have so um you know obviously it's a rental system maybe in rented bikes you could and like mm. i mean rented cars and you know in uh trucks and whatnot they have governors but i guess we just can't tell people we're going to control their their personal vehicle be nice. That would be, that would be highly un-American. Yes, being safe is. <laughs> yeah. we, know, we know that. that. Was, I was going <laughs> to add something like that. <laughs> um, we we like our danger here. We like to uh, kill yeah. ourselves. Play with fire. Yeah. Another great thing about that is that I can also um, set up stations for events and things like that. So we're going to have a big folk festival, um, some pretty good names. They do it at in one of the towns, but it's really far away from a station. So I'll set up a virtual station and people can just take the bikes there. And when they get into that geofence, they can lock the bikes and it's as if they're ending their trip. So it works really well and people really love it. It'd be nice to have permanent stations in all these places, but you know, they're not cheap. Well, no tran public transit system really is pays for itself, right? Profitable. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what it's about. I mean, no, nothing, it's not what it's about. Nothing in our transportation system pays for itself. Like highways don't pay for themselves. Uh, public transportation it's a public utility right so yeah it's always strange that they expect public transportation to pay for itself but not like highways and so forth exactly so right now we are able to they chose us to run this system for them uh the company i work for is buwegan it's out of canada we have systems all across the United States um, and in all around the world. So it's still a very small player, but we're starting to gain some steam um, in a lot of nice cities. So it, we, we run the system. So we have a maintenance team. We have a redistribution team. We have me. And we're all paid by Wigan. And what pays us is any sponsorship we get and any sales that we get. So, um, obviously, having a big system sponsor like City Bike or Blue Bikes or something like that would be really helpful. Because it, it's pretty, it's always pretty tight. It's always a juggle. If you're, you can show that you're low income, you can get. Um, we have a really great equity pass. It's called the Access Pass. It's funded through the Community Foundation in Western Mass. They're wonderful. And when the pandemic hit, they told us to go ahead and give it for free. So now we're able to give free annual passes to anybody that gets SNAP, which is our food stamp 
type program, um, mass health standard or section eight housing vouchers. And, you know, obviously we push it a little because we know people are on unemployment right now. A lot of people aren't able to get into the, maybe the same caliber job they had before uh, the pandemic or they're just not called back yet. So we, we do let other people do it. It's going really well. We have about, as of today, 150 people signed up, which may not sound like a lot, but, you know, even a lot of big cities aren't able to push their program that, that far and wide. We also ha do allow people who do not have a bank account to just, they have 60 days to mail us any overage that they have to our PO box so they can get a money order and just mail it into us. Okay. Are, are they all kind of the same, like the electric bikes that are in bike share, like in different cities or are there different specs? Do you know? It's just probably, I'm ambushing you with a question. You are. That's okay though. Um, I assume that they're all pretty much the same. They get their different ways, but um, they're all the electric assist. Right. Our bike well, is quite a bit chunkier than the Lime and the Jump bikes were, though. I wonder if the private versus the public bikes are any different. What's what's Don? Do you know what's happening with the with the private bikes? You mean the Jump bikes? Jump, Lime, like all those competitors. I guess Uber bought Jump, and then they shut down Jump for some reason, and. I mean, they wanted to give away a thousand of those things when they contacted Midnight Riders and we were trying to find a space that was big enough to hold that. That's your organization, Midnight Riders. Yeah. Are you guys it's still? Not it's everyone's. It's everyone in the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Do you know Ruthie Woodring of Pedal People, Shannon? Uh, we've met, Yeah. Is she going to be joining us? She's on the Zoom. Uh, oh. I told her she could just hang out and not be called on, but here she is. Hey, Ruthie. I lied. Well, this seems to be a pretty informal meeting. <laughs> um, so thank you, Shannon. I, I think I'm going to uh, either talk to, to Ruthie live or play a recorded interview I did with her. So thank you for coming on, and I hope to talk to you more in the future thanks it's been a pleasure i'll see you Thank all you. later okay cool Take and nice to, you, nice to meet you too so ruthie you want to tell us what it is that you do again or i have this interview with you but sure. you're you're also live so i'm thinking maybe we could talk to you yeah we can i'll just do it live so um so i'm in northampton in western mass and I'm part of a trash hauling business called Pedal People. It's a cooperative owned by 23 or 24 worker, worker owners of us. So the city of Northampton doesn't pick up trash. It's all privatized. So in 2002, my friend Alex Jarrett and I started this business hauling people's trash on bicycles with bike trailers. Um, so like we have over a thousand customers. We do curbside pickup of trash, recycling, compost. And basically we'll take anything people want to haul away. Furniture, we do moving jobs. Don, this is a group called Pedal People. Have you heard of them by any chance? 
Uh, I have not. They are in the Northampton area here in Western Mass. And they, they sound like great people, by the way. I would want to meet them. <laughs> I would. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're, I, met, I went to their house today, and it's kind of like the L.A. Eco Village. I love how you're on the East Coast now, Nick, and you're getting tuned into the groups out there. This is going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be the sister city of Los Angeles. <laughs> I visited Ruthie today at Pedal People HQ, which is a cooperate, like a, they, they own it cooperatively. So they are combining house ownership with co- cooperative living. Like Eco Village, kind of. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, some some of us, like Alex and I, we're the only people that live in this house. There's a rumor that um, that all the pedal people live together and work together. <laughs> house, which is sometimes called the pedal people house, is sort of a misnomer. But yeah, we're based out of here, but only two of the eight people who live here are pedal people at this time. And the other six people, well, sorry, they have to endure it all. When people hear this, do they get it? How how people on bikes can do the job of a of a what's normally a gigantic truck and haul trash? Well, when we first started, we weren't sure if we could do it. <laughs> and I remember once, even five years into doing it, someone came up to me on the street, another person on a bike, and they, they said, "Oh, what are you doing?" And I said, "Oh, I'm hauling trash. It's got all people." And I said, whoa, you can't do that on a bike. <laughs> we can, we have. Um, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's also fun. Why don't we um, go to the interview, Nick? All right. Should we talk about Pedal People? Yeah, let's talk about Pedal People. Okay. Pedal People is a trash hauling business. It's a worker-owned cooperative. There's maybe 23, 24 of us, I think. So we haul trash in Northampton and a few close neighboring um, towns, villages. There's no municipal trash service in Northampton. Um, So people, residents are paying a trucking company or they're paying someone to come pick up their trash. So in 2002, my friend Alex Jarrett and I thought, well, maybe people will pay us instead of a trucking company to pick up their trash. So we do curbside pickups of trash, recycling, compost, lots of other things. So yeah, we've been doing it for 18, coming on 19 years. We have, I don't know, over a thousand customers. We're the biggest local hauler in Northampton now because the you know, bigger waste hauling companies have bought out all the other local trucking companies. Um, we also have a contract with the city where we empty the public trash cans downtown seven days a week. We've been doing that since 2007 um, we do yard care with the electric mowers hauled on bike trailers and yard waste hauled away on bike trailers um, we do general moving jobs like we did a household move last week someone just you know all their their boxes their furniture whatever we move by bike basically anyone someone will pay us to haul will haul as long as it's less than 300 pounds it can be broken down to less than 300 pounds so what kind of bikes and trailers do you have so you can use any bike that has the gearing so people use a touring bike most people use mountain bikes or 
or hybrids. Um, after 17 years in business, we decided to trial an electric bike. So we did end up buying one electric bike that can be checked out by you know, ahead of time if someone wants to use that bike. Typically, if someone's doing a really far, difficult run or a whole lot of work one day, they might check out that bike. That was a, that was a that was a difficult decision to come to to decide to trial this. A lot of very different opinions within the collective about going in that direction. Um, so yeah, any mountain bike you we use bikes at work trailers made out of, made in Ames, Iowa, and those trailers they're two wheeled aluminum frame trailers that are rated for 300 pounds. Most of the trailers are uh, about eight feet long. And so we'll stack like uh, the bottom layer will be a row of six totes. We're using the 18 gallon Rubbermaid Roughneck right now. Um, their totes have gotten really cheap lately though. So I'm not trying to promote them really. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so we use these 18 gallon totes one layer, six totes on the bottom, individual I'm, row, then a second layer of totes, and then what's a tote? I'm sorry, a tote like a tub, bin, okay. square plastic okay. container. So we'll have two layers of totes. That's twelve totes, and then on top of that, we'll strap bags of trash. So in the end, the load will probably be five and a half feet tall, and eight feet long, and two two and a half feet wide. Mm -hmm. and weigh anywhere from like three or 400 pounds. We're not supposed to put more than 300 pounds on the trailers, but you know, sometimes if you just got one more pickup or the customer has extra, you're like, I'm not going to come back just for this one pickup. So I'm getting it on. Mm -hmm. um, so how can, can you be competitive with like a, you know, a, a truck? Yeah. How, how does we, that work? Yeah. Yeah. We charge roughly about the same amount as the truck com trucking companies. For the higher volume customers, like the multifamilies or big or like apartment buildings, the trucks have more of an advantage because they're not so volume limited. But for the low volume customers, for the compost only customers, well, the other trucking companies don't really pick up residential compost. But our real advantage is in the, the lighter customers because we're, we're good at making a lot of short stops. Um, and yeah, we charge about the same in general. We have a slightly different pricing category, pricing structure. Our pricing structure is, is based on volume a little bit more, both on frequency and on volume a little bit more than the trucks. So, and then we go, so there's two different transfer stations in town. So once we're loaded up, we go to whichever transfer station is closest and then at one of the transfer stations, um, which is run by the city, we put all the trash in blue bags, which we buy ahead of time from the city. And a 30 gallon, 35 gallon blue bag costs $3 to dispose of. Um, at the other transfer center, we go across the scale and we pay 10 cents a pound for trash and cans and bottles recycling. And okay. the other things, the other things are, are, are free or included built into the price, like the paper and the compost scrap metal that's built into the price. Um, so, and, and what form do people put out there, like their compost in? Um, we, have... we provide 
buckets for people, like reuse buckets that we <laughs> find um, that we get from, I don't know, manufacturers or the de local deli or cat litter buckets that we put our sticker on. So we can provide, we provide four or five gallon buckets for the customer, or if they have their own, they can use that. And then we just dump that into our tote. We also provide um, plastic bins, totes for recycling too. And if a customer requests, we can provide a garbage can for them. They can kind of put it out however they want, as long as it's protected from the rain, the snow, the wind, and the animals. Uh -huh. <laughs> Those are some limitations. <laughs> Okay. What's your actual range, like the, the service area? We, I don't think we, so almost all the pickups are within, I want to say three or four miles of the drop-off point. Yeah. Most yeah. of them are probably like, are one to three miles from the drop-off point, but some of the pickups may be like three or four miles away i think the the, the drop-off point being the transfer station which yeah form, formerly known as the dump well the transfer station is just where it's transferred into larger dumpsters and trucks and then driven to another facility whether it's the dump the incinerator uh depot where it will go on rail or um, the recycling facility in Springfield, the recycling sorting facility in Springfield. Yeah, we take it just one step of the way. Like we just take it the first, no, well, I want to say first. Like when I think about the goods that we pick up, their trail of where they came from and how they got into, how they get into our hands. And then the amount of time they spend in our hands as they go from the curb, to our trailer to the transfer center. And then from the transfer center to the next place, like the amount of time they spend with us that one or two or three, maybe four miles is so minimal in the lifespan of a consumer good. So this gets you pretty thoughtful about our waste stream, I imagine. Yeah, probably the most difficult part of the job is just being face to face with American consumerism. Yeah, it can be pretty demoralizing. And also and then, another thing Another thing I think about often is, is I think if everybody rode bikes, they wouldn't buy as much because a lot of the stuff that we're taking away, it came in in a car and it's going out on a bike. If you had to bring everything home on your bike, you might think twice about that 30 pound bucket of cat litter. Which, although that makes a good compost bucket. Sure. <laughs> but um, so I, I guess your customers are going with you because they care about such things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The majority of our customers are excited about our service. Really, We have such a, a really wonderful customer base, super supportive and all that. Um, some of our customers are landlords who sign up the building that they own, which might be a multifamily with a handful of tenants and the tenants might not necessarily be on board or the tenants might change over a lot. So it's hard to like, um, I don't know, like, like train or it's hard to get them adjusted to our systems. So those, those pickups can be a little difficult, but um, yeah, most of our customers, are, you know, they really want to do the right thing, do the best they can. They're thinking about their waste and trying to reduce and thinking about the larger 
structures way beyond individual choices that make this a wasteful society. And so it's a worker cooperative. So it's um, on so many levels, you know, you're, you're, you're showing people the model that you think is a way out of where we're, what we're stuck in here. Yeah. We really believe that democratic ownership, democratic control, where people have a say um, is really key to make a, making a better society. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the keys to the successes of pedal people as well. Cause I feel like if, if there was a boss telling you to go ride your bike around in a snowstorm and <laughs> pick up trash, that would get tedious or I think a lot sooner. But if it's you, know, you making that own decision, then I think you're more, more invested and, and more likely to enjoy the job. Our, so our work requirements, currently it's just four hours a week is the minimum. And so people can work anywhere, like kind of as little or as much as they want almost. Um, so people work anywhere from four to 30 hours a week, I would say. It's really hard on the body to actually actual, actually ride full time. But most people, we do a combination of riding and administrative work. Like almost all the administrative work is done by people who are also riders out hauling trash as well. And that people can make a living. Yeah, my housemate and I, that's how we paid off our house. Oh, nice. Great. Yeah, that and, with the help and, of so much other housemates too. Okay. And so your house is a, is a collective too. Um, yeah, the house where I live, there's four, four or five of us that own it together. I say technically, well, technically four, legally four, but in all practical purposes, five. Wow, you're doing great. Um, Sounds yeah. Like yeah, um, Alex Jarrett, who co-founded this, like he's got a lot of brains, that man, and a lot of like real community spirit, great listener, and knows how to can figure things out and problem solve and mediate and those kinds of things. So, um, yes, yeah, so I think when he and I started it, I had sort of more of the more I had more of the biking mechanical winter biking trailer kind of experience, and he had more of the computer programming business mind people negotiating kinds of skills so yeah when we first started it we knew we wanted it to be a worker cooperative and um yeah so that's that's how it's evolved well maybe we'll talk to alex sometime and i know there's a lot of people we could talk to but um yeah alex is really busy right now he's also our city councilor right now that's cool yeah it's really cool but it leads to some funny conflicts of interest like when the city of like when the city of Northampton they, last year, they're working on a plastics ban. No, I think they were trying to ban plastic takeout containers and make it all compostable. And Alex couldn't participate in that because of, you know, if, if all this compost is curated, then somebody's going to have to haul it. So it makes it more likely that pedal people might be hired. Anyway, there's funny things like that that happened with him being city councilor. Great, Ruthie. All right. And, and your radio show, you want to give us a, a plug for that? Um, yeah, so it's called Out There. It airs every Tuesday from 3 until 4 on Valley Free Radio um, here in Florence. It's WXOJLP 103.3 FM, and it streams online at valleyfreeradio.org. 
and I also have archived editions of Out There at weatherbeard.com slash out there. And so that show, I, you know, I'm always traveling around town on my bike, meeting people. And so I interview people when I meet them, things that come up, I'll, I'll, I'll record on the spot and then play those clips for my show. Just That's like the way to do it. It's just like a slice of life. Perfect. And I, and I, I should do some of my own rants too. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. And so also Pedal People is just, is it pedalpeople.org? Um, pedalpeople.coop. Right. And you're looking for for haulers? Um, probably. We pretty much are on an ongoing basis. Yeah, our right. website is usually visit there's a application, job description and application on our website. All right, very good. Well, I'm looking for a job, so maybe I'll check it out. Check it out. Thanks, Ruthie. Yeah, you and too. That, and now you're going back to work, right? Yeah. It, um Yep. It looks like it stopped raining here for a minute, but that's okay. It's just a rainy, sticky, grimy, gritty week. Yeah. I mean, you have to go out even if it's raining, right? That's trash. Don't stop. I like it. All right. Uh, Have a good day. Have a good ride. And there you go. Are you still with us, Ruthie? Yes. I was amazed and impressed that you, you take care of all the downtown Northampton Trash cans, all the 80 yeah. trash cans. Yeah, it's like 60, 55, 60 trash cans and 25 or 30 recycling barrels. Now there's a compost bin downtown too, but last time I checked it, it was it had about 10 needles in it and six beer cans. That's a stiff, a steep training curve for a public compost barrel, but we'll get there. <laughs> Wait a second, what it have in it? It had just needles and beer so cans? So the youth... Yeah, it's a new barrel. The youth of the Unitarian Society and their and the youth director, who's actually a pedal person, the youth wanted to provide an option for people to put their compostable scraps downtown, and so they got a compost put there. But it's really hard to train people to separate, even when you have really good labeling and markings and signage and stuff. You know, people see a, like, oh, trash. So when I was emptying the downtown trash barrels last week. And I checked out that barrel to see if it needed the compost emptied out of it. All I saw in there was about 10 hypodermic needles with caps on and half a dozen beer cans. Huh. So if the caps are on, does that mean they were unused? No, they just put the caps back. Oh, well, that's orderly and neat. Um, <laughs> well, so there's a- There's actually, there's a sharp, well- there is a sharp spin nearby used needles, but I guess the compost bin was a little convenient. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this. Um, <laughs> I mean, they did put them somewhere. Yeah. And they put the caps back on. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but you're so legitimate. I mean, you have one of your members as a city councilor. Is that what you call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been two years. He's city councilor. Yeah, I guess they call them alder people or something in other places. Or board representative. Yeah, or council member, council person. Um. Well, 
this is this is very good. And so, there are have you are you aware of this going on anywhere else? Well, definitely compost collection by bicycle, but the collection by bicycle is pretty unique for the United States <laughs> because many cities already provide that municipal service that's funded out of the tax base, um, and for provide that service for, where it's privatized. Then the other two factors that make it work here in Northampton is that we have somewhere to take the stuff. Like we have transfer centers because most cities have a transfer center where you could bike stuff too. It's not like bikeable distance from a large density of the population. But we actually have two transfers that are like less than like two miles or so, less than three miles from the, the like 80% of the population or something like that. Um, what was the other thing we have that makes? I think there was one other thing. I forget what it was though. <laughs> anyway, okay. we have we have the, the place to take stuff, and we have the density, and we also have like a, a population that values this kind of uh, work. Right, Northampton's very it's, very. it's a college town. Yeah, so they're very philosophical people. <laughs> well, um, and so we're gonna work with you to do some bike stuff on your radio station right because you're doing something in trinidad a bike project and you're going to be away for a while yeah i'll probably go back to trinidad for the winter so it's kind of a long story how i ended up there a couple two or three winters ago and then i got involved in i ended up shipping a container load like four over 400 bicycles there last fall during covid um and yeah, I'm hoping to go back to the farm, the farm community there that I'm that I'm connected with back in the winter. But I'll be back doing pedal people next spring. Okay. Well, if it's a long story, maybe we'll just save it for another episode. Well, and, okay. Or do you want to? <laughs> do you want to? Okay. And, okay, I'll, I'll tell you, and you can decide. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tell us. Well, so I been part of the couchsurfing couchsurfing.org network for a bunch of years and a man from france contacted me on couchsurfing back in 2018 i think and said hey i'm coming to the united states with my three kids for a month and um wondered if we could stay with you all i saw your profile on couchsurfing i'm really into bikes and human human powered transportation I always had the dream to the United States on a rickshaw with my family. So maybe when we come, we can build a rickshaw and travel. <laughs> and I said, oh. huh, I like this guy, right? <laughs> so, um, so he and the three kids came. The kids were eight, 10, and 12, something like that. And they didn't speak any English, and I don't speak any French. Uh, but the, well, the dad spoke English. Yeah, the dad spoke both. Anyway, so they came, they stayed with me and they stayed at the bike lab for like a week and they built this rickshaw it's hard to describe unless you see it it's part rickshaw part covered wagon powered by um the kids pedaling the bicycles <laughs> and it was filled with all their stuff and the adult would lift up the handles like a rickshaw puller and guide it and walk along walk or jog in front anyway so so and the thing was all tied together with string, but super strong. 
you know, super strong. He's got a special nodding system. Um, hmm. Anyway, so then we spent like a week together traveling down to Connecticut. We'd go like 10 miles a day and stay wherever as far as we got. Anyway, so it was really great. And at the end of that back to France, when they went back to France, he said, oh, by the way, in the winter, I'm going back to Martinique to finish building this bamboo sailboat I've been working on and sail to the Caribbean if you want to join me. And I was like, whoa, well, <laughs> I'm not really like an ocean person, but I guess if you get chosen for the Mars mission, you go, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so anyway, so we had actually just finished paying off our house at that time. And I'm like, I'm going to the Caribbean. <laughs> oh. And I hadn't flown on an airplane for like years, um, for mostly for envir- environmental reasons, but whatever. Anyway, so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And so I made plans to meet with him somewhere. We didn't know where he was going to be because he was still building this boat and he was trialing it, sailing from island to island, like from Martinique to, I don't know, like St. Lucia to Grenada or something like that. So I said to him, well, I'm going to get my plane ticket ahead of time. I'll just get the first half of my ticket to Trinidad and then when the time gets closer and you know what island you're going to be on, then I'll get the second part. So I got my ticket to Trinidad on one night, say, on couch surfing in Port of Spain in Trinidad. And I was hoping that the next day I would go figure out where Mika was. But anyway, as the days came leading up to my departure to go to Trinidad, I didn't hear from him and I didn't hear from him and I didn't hear from him. I was actually on the bus. I was on the Greyhound to Miami and I was like, I wow. better come up with a plan. <laughs> And so I signed up for this uh, online work exchange network called WorkAway and found this farm in Trinidad and I saw their profile and I was like, I don't want to be on a boat alone in the ocean. I want to be on a farm and working on a farm and meeting people and all that. Anyway, so I ended up, I didn't hear from Mika for a while and I made plans to go to this farm. Finally heard from Mika. He was alone eight days and nights on the ocean blown off course on this homemade bamboo sailboat. <laughs> oh, wow. He finally washed up off the coast of Venezuela. But by Whoa. that time, I had made plans to go to the farm. So I went to the farm. And I said, thank you so much for me, Mika, for giving me this amazing place that I love. Yeah. Okay. So you're on so, the farm. That's incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> so I was on the farm. And where the, the, the place where the... the Woofers or the international volunteers would stay was about a, it was about two kilometers from the farm fields, and so I would walk back and forth a lot because I was too stubborn to ride in a car. And every time I'd walk back and forth, I'd be like, "Oh, I wish I had a bike. I wish I had mm-hmm. a bike." And there were a few bikes around, and I would I finally after after like a week or two there, a couple of weeks there, I was finally able to borrow a bike in exchange for fixing it up. And then, but in the course of asking people about bikes, a lot of people were like, yeah, I wish I had a bike, but sorry, I don't. And so I asked around a lot and I was like, do people want bikes, need bikes? Would people use bikes if there were more bikes here? How come there aren't bikes here? <laughs> and they were kind of like, well, there's not bikes because it's a island and they have to come from somewhere and they're expensive. And we just, I don't know, we just don't have them, but yeah, we use them. I'd use a bike. I'd love a bike. Many people told me that. So then I was like, well, I know where there's a lot of bikes. So I came back to Western Mass and started the, what I call the Trinidad Bicycle Osmosis Project. <laughs> okay. 
started collecting bikes real hard, real hard. There are all kinds of different avenues, <laughs> police auctions. Um, um, I ha- oh gosh, part of the story is I had to fend off felony larceny charges. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What happened? Um, that's another story. Oh. <laughs> In the end, we shipped the container load of bikes, 400 and some bikes plus household household items for, that I'd found last September 2019. And um, I was hoping to meet them, but it was cold, you know, so the borders have been closed. So anyway, I'm planning on going back in the fall to help fix up the bikes that they haven't sold yet and to just be a, be a bike mechanic and uh, in that farming community for the winter. What a fantastic story. <laughs> wow. We need we need updates um as this story progresses. Yeah, from me back. Yeah. This is fantastic. I'm floored. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk to you from Trinidad. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last I heard from Mika flying to to become an astronaut and go to mars <laughs> what you can do that yeah he sent me his, well i i don't some people can i guess some people can do anything i'm currently on work away right now planning my uh escape here you're oh uh, really what i'm looking at like, the website you... workaway.info yeah it's awesome. I, I'm only looking it up right now just because you talked about it. I've never heard of this before. Oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice place to dream. Wow. So you can do that? You can just go anywhere in the world and volunteer? on a, like oh, It's like woofing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, woofing doesn't have, isn't in the Caribbean. So work away is sort of like the Caribbean woofing. Gotcha. Like, yeah, and like woofing is primarily farm work, but work away can be any type of work exchange. Uh, we're going to lose Don. Why are we losing me? Oh, because I'm going to leave on work away? Yeah. I have to figure out what to do with my cat, though. Is she coming with me? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that is great. And so you are going to... Let us run your radio show and turn it into bike talk while you're in Trinidad, right, Ruthie? Yeah, maybe I'll have to talk to the the, the Valley Free Radio uh, program coordinator, but I think that would be a great thing. Do you hear that, Don? And they have a real radio signal. Wow, we've always dreamed of that. Mm-hmm. Low power. It goes like 15 miles away and a rate 15 mile radius, something like that. But all over the world on the internet. Yeah. All right. Well, well and and we're going to check it out at Florence Free Radio. It's called uh, Valley Free Radio. Valley Free Radio. The whole valley, valley not Free just Radio. Florence. All right. Cool. <laughs> Any other thoughts, Don or Ruthie, or whoever's there? That's my friend Elvis visiting. Hey. Yay. Thanks. It's nice to have extra people in the background. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, cool. I, I have a, a, one more interview I was going to play um, with uh, Quadrini. Have you heard of Quadrini, uh, Ruthie? It's an electric bike maker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. Um, they let us borrow. <laughs> they, so the rickshaw lives in Northampton. You may see it someday. But at one point, I had to go bring it back from Ashfield, which is like a hilly 23 north of here. And so Bob from Quadrini, just for free, let me have a Quadrini electric bike to go up there and bring the rickshaw back. And I thought, yeah. now this is a good purpose for an electric bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you had this thing where you you considered using electric bikes for pedal people, but there was there was a big discussion about it. Yeah, that's been an ongoing discussion amongst pedal people for a number of years now. Um, we did get consensus to trial one. So like we kind of trialed one. Yeah, we trialed some like a couple of years ago. And then this spring, we got consensus to like buy one and the, anyone in the collective could use it. And this, this, is, sort of like, this is sort of like an 18-month um agreement as, as i understand it so we have an electric bike that we bought and like i said there's 20 some members of the collective so people can check out that bike when they want and it's not like people are like, clamoring over it at all some days many days no at all um but people tend to use it when they have a very hard route or when they're doing a lot a lot of work in one day um but yeah it was a definitely a contentious discussion um yeah was there like a there's just so many concerns a split between the pedal assist people and the pedal people or (laughs) horrible joke sorry here every tuesday folks there's definitely some of us who felt like we've done pedal people for like 17 years electric bike and it's been very successful what why get something we don't need um and there's some people who would say we could really broaden our range if we had an electric bike we could service customers that are currently being serviced by a truck and wouldn't it be better to have a few truck stops in the community and do that by bike and there's some pedal people who said well we have lots of customers there's lots of people, potential customers who live right next to customers we're already serving that are close to the transfer center. Why don't we focus on serving those customers instead of trying to get customers from farther away with an electric bike? Um, and there's some people like, like me, I do a lot of bike repair. And like me, I'm like, I am a very good mechanic, but I'm a terrible electrician <laughs> and I can't fix an electric bike. And I don't think I can wrap, I don't think I can wrap my mind around how to fix it. And I don't want to deal with the, you know, the lithium mines and the batteries from China and being dependent on this supply chain that I have mm-hmm. no, no control over. Like I can't just go to the bike lab and scrap another part to fix it off of another bike. It's, if it's mm-hmm. got problems and then, then that's going to be a problem. Right. So those are some of the, some of the discussions that we've had. And there's well, also need- some people who said, one, there's one, and one of the arguments for it was that, oh, this will make this work more accessible for a wider variety of people. And I, well, that's an idea. <laughs> I didn't necessarily believe that because I kind of felt like 
no, the people who are going to use it are probably, I don't know. Well, so it seems like often the people who use it are strong riders who take on really hard work and a lot of work. The people who do it, who do pedal people. No, the people who've checked out the electric bike the are some of the strongest riders, but they just take on a lot of work and this allows them to take on even more work. Huh. That's what, I, what I've heard about technology in general is that like the, <laughs> it, it makes you work more. Or, yeah. Like it in, enables you to do that. And that's kind of one of my big things around it too, is that, so one of the reasons people talked about having it was at a time when we were having trouble getting all the route work done, they're like, what if we had an electric bike, then we could do more and get all this work done. But then I'm like, no, if we had an electric bike, then we would set up our routes around this electric bike with this expectation that we're going to do this route with an electric bike. No matter what your technology is, you're going to push yourself to the max and cram your day, I think. And then if the electric bike breaks and you've got this huge route to do that nobody can do without it. Mm. True that, true that. Plus the technology on those, like the the circuitry and everything is is that bike going to be usable in 10 years i kind of think that way about some of the cars they're making now with these with the yeah. software and the displays and the cpus like they'll be obsolete for sure yeah it's like you're creating this giant piece of garbage in 10 years is that also going to yeah. be the case with electric bikes i think so well, it, some of them are just a bike with a battery, kind of, you know. The- but there's there's like circuitry and software in there, right? Or I, I don't know. I haven't really been paying attention to e-bikes, but well, there's a motor, I guess. Yeah, which I mean, motors can last forever, electric motors, but it's the it's the computer and the the software. It's like if if something burns out on the circuit board in five or 10 years, there's not going to be a replacement circuit board available for that model. And then all of a sudden you have something that's more inclined to be a piece of garbage, unless somebody can wire in a new CPU kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. You just, I feel like you just use a lot, you lose a lot of transportation independence with electric bikes. But I mean, compared to a car, it's so much times better, of course. Well, yeah, there's some, like you you said, there are some arguments for electric bikes. You can reduce car cars. You you can more than on just a non-electric bike. You can reduce reliance on cars. Yeah, yeah. What well, one of my lines of thinking in the discussion about the electric bike. The question for me wasn't necessarily what is the most efficient way that we can haul trash because like an electric bike, I think is a lot more efficient than a truck in an urban setting. The question for me wasn't you know, what's the most efficient way to do this job. The question for me was more what kind of life do I want to live? And you know, I've got the I've got the I've got the luxury to be able to choose options. And so I want to try to choose a life that gives me the most, I don't know, independence and, um, and, you know, way 
I can meet my own needs with the least amount of dependence on these systems and mm-hmm. larger than me. I don't think anybody would would disagree with your reasoning. <laughs> Hopefully this is the beginning of a collaboration between KPFK and Valley Free Radio. Or, WXOJ LP. Yeah. We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see. I guess we can't promise anything. Um, well, thanks for showing me around today. It was wonderful to see the the path that goes all through there. It's like, what, 60, 80 miles? It goes all the way to Connecticut? Um, yeah, the part that goes down to New Haven is it's 80 some, 84 miles, something like that down there. Oh, when you talk to Craig Delapena, he can answer all your questions about the paths. Yeah, he's the, that's his thing, trail okay. trails. Well, we'll talk to him as soon as oh, we, and we can. Oh, okay. Yeah. Early in the show, you said something about the path that goes across the Connecticut River towards Hadley and Kristen Belchertown. That's yeah. the Norwatic Rail Trail. And the part that goes southwest from downtown Northampton towards East Hampton and then goes to New Haven. That's the, well, it's called the Manhattan Rail Trail typically, but also the, what is it, the Northampton New Haven Canal greenway or something like that well it's so beautiful just all the trees and the shade and the river when you get to it and then you go through farmland at certain points it's amazing yeah it's so cute i don't know why everyone's not writing it but we have it to ourselves all of of the people who write it all right well well thanks ruthie yeah thank you Shows I care Every turn of the pedal Cleans the air Green in the green I'm saving the planet Just like my friends Dale, Sean, Toby, and Janet No greenhouse gas A tiny carbon footprint Up your ass I'm on a motherfucking bike Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk If you want to hear more Go to kpfk.org Navigate to Programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the Archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.